Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is the show where we like to bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool that they are working on or have worked on because today's product is something that you can get right now. And today's cool thing we're going to be talking about is Kingdoms and Warfare. And the cool person we're going to be talking to is James Intracasso. Welcome, James. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me back, Tom. This is awesome, and I'm super excited to talk Kingdoms Warfare and anything else you want to talk about, because I, you are truly one of my favorite people in the RPG world. You have so much enthusiasm, uh, <laughs> and uh, I've played one of my best con games ever with you as the yes. GM, so oh, there you go. I still remember that game. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. It's yeah. like, when you get a con game, when you have like good players and then they then the gm is really everybody's kind of vibing it's just i love it so much it's gonna be good to get back to conventions it Uh, really is we were talking a little bit about it but so beforehand so we're excited we're pumped we're ready we're ready we are yeah i'm glad that you recognize my enthusiasm all right um (laughs) i also recognize your enthusiasm so (laughs) i am so excited to talk to you because i feel like it's been all you used to be a staple in the podcasting community <laughs> and you abandoned us <laughs> so, so i'm glad to actually talk have you all right here's my next question for you um have, have you been on any have you done any podcasting done anything recently uh i do so i'm trying to think i know recently i have done uh some podcast so i was on the tome show the old oh, stomping grounds over at the tome show um to talk about arcadia which was really a lot of fun which is a, a fifth edition magazine that we make uh, over at mcdm um and uh, you know I, I try to do stuff here and there but i did uh, hand off tabletop babble which was my show yes. uh, to amber who is rocket orca uh, part of the geek spective network um and it's i gotta say it's flourishing it is it is the 2.0 upgraded version of that show show uh and i love being a listener to it um and uh and so uh you know i am very happy to uh to be rejoining the podcasting world here and now with you one night only one night yes, only right here <laughs> uh, no tome show i mean obviously it was great when you were on it but i feel like since amber's taken over mm-hmm. james don't get me wrong you did some great interviews listen but we've got some it's been a little bit different we've got to hear some really different games since then so it's been it's been cool yeah one reason i wanted amber to take over the show is because amber was like i would really like to talk about like a, a lot of indie games and i want to talk to indie game designers and have this focus and i was like absolutely that sounds amazing so um i found some great games uh because of listening to the tabletop babble with amber so like we are uh really uh, doing well uh in that department and they and they have some big news coming as well with the show they're, they're expanding it they're doing all kinds of cool stuff with tabletop babble so i highly recommend uh people go check it out i laid the foundation uh you know what i mean but that building that they're building on top of it is, is big and beautiful. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, all right. So we had so tabletop babble. You you left there to go do some new things. So and now you're working for MCDM. Yes. Yeah. So I work for MCDM, which is Matt Colville's uh, production company, uh, and my title is lead designer. Um, and so I work there. Uh, Matt is the design director um, and we sort of work hand in hand on stuff. Matt says, here's the big picture. This is what I want to do. And then I figure out kind of how to do it with him. And we go back and forth. Sometimes I pitch him ideas, says that sounds great. Let's do it. Or he says, eh, let's not do that. Um, you know, so that kind of thing. And we uh, uh, that's how our products are made basically is Matt and I come up with them together and then we hire freelancers and editors and we work with the art team to get it all put together and made and our production team, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how these products come to be. Uh, and that's so much I want to, all right. So there's so much I want to talk about that just in that. (laughs) All right. So, all right. So first off, Matt Colville, I got a, so it's funny the other day, I want to know what's it like working with him because the other day I was actually, so I was watching one of his videos and my wife is sitting next to me doing some other stuff. And all she just kind of says out of the blue, she's like, why is that man so intense? Because like, <laughs> she is, she likes, she plays board games and RPGs, but she's kind of like, she doesn't like get into like, who is who? And so I was just like, that's his brand. That's his brand. So, so what's it like working with Matt then? 
So, you know, what's great about Matt is he's very authentic, uh, and, uh, and he gives, um, like on his streams and, uh, in his YouTube videos, he gives what he calls the straight dope, which is that he's not going to tell you something he doesn't really believe in. Right. And he's not going to say, if you ask him a question that, uh, that there is an answer that he can't give, right? He'll say like, oh, I can't give it rather than sort of make it up or spin it or that kind of thing. Um, And oftentimes he'll talk a lot. In fact, he's got streams on Twitch where like, he'll like say like, this is future products we have coming up. And this is, you know, like we're not under the sort of, veil of secrecy a lot of other rpg companies are under because matt's always talking about what we're up to and what we're doing which is really great and freeing as an employee means i can talk about what we're doing right um and and so that's what uh, a lot of what it's like is like matt is uh that level of enthusiastic and genuine and uh, intense like you said uh you know like that's what working with him is like it's very much like hey here's this thing we should do we should do this but the, uh, the flip side of that is matt is also very uh he he really trusts the people that he hires right um and so matt will often say like he's the ceo right he could tell us to do pretty much anything we want um but if he has like a disagreement with the art department and the art department says like no we think this is the way to go with the art he'll say like oh all right well i i trust you you know more about art than i do right um and uh and matt and i will when we make design decisions for things um you know i'll say like matt i really believe in this and he'll say like okay well then let's do it you know like let let's go in that direction with it so he is really like the best boss I've ever had in that sense that like he hires people to do a job and then lets them do it, but is also there to support them uh, and inspire them when uh, like a good boss. That's awesome. So how did you get, so how'd you get connected then with MCDM? I think I've talked to some other people who are just like, when you got announced, like, Oh, you're going to be working for MCDM. Everybody's like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like first we all know James and we, I feel like Matt was, he obviously had his YouTube presence and then Strongholds and Followers was a big success. And then all of a sudden, and now James and Dracast is jumping on board. Everybody's kind of like, okay, all right, this is big. So how this, how this connection, how'd you guys make this connection then? So uh, Matt put up in early 2019, put up a post uh, that said like, hey, we're, we're hiring writers for a small project. Uh, it pays 25 cents a word. Who wants to get in on this? And I thought, well, I've never seen 25 That's cents huge. a word for RPGs. <laughs> um, and, you know, there were some job requirements that were like, you should know about Matt's world. You should, you know, and I'd watched some of his videos before, but I wasn't like an MCDM super fan or anything like that. But uh, I thought, you know, I, I've got some chops. I've written some D&D stuff uh, that I would apply. Um, and, and you know, I wrote a cover letter that said like, hey, uh, you know, this is who I am. Here's the, the resume that uh, I have. And I'd love to come work with you. I think what you're doing is really cool. Um, I love that you're able to offer these high pay rates to writers. Uh, and I that's like the kind of company I want to work for. I can learn the lore. You know, like, and I'm going to start now looking at videos and learning the lore and that kind of thing. Um, And then months later, I hadn't heard anything back. And I thought like, oh, well, they probably picked somebody more qualified, like who understood what was going on. And uh, eventually uh, it was the end of that year. It was like October. Matt got in touch with me and was like, hey, we're starting to hire people for that project now. Are you interested in coming on as a freelance writer? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So um, we started to work together on that. And then that project turned into to kingdoms and warfare Uh, um okay yeah and then halfway so i was working with matt on that and then he said i have this idea for a magazine would you like to be the editor of that which is arcadia our 5e magazine that we put out monthly and while we were working together on that um, matt said you know i'd really like to offer you a full-time job here will you take it um so i was freelancing with them for over a year before that actual uh, job offer came through. Um, and uh, and then it was like I was pretty much working on MCDM stuff every day already at that point. So it was a very easy transition in. Um, and that's kind of how it came together. I applied online, which is, I guess, kind of boring when it comes down to it. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's kind of funny. It wasn't like you guys had like this killer con game or anything like that or like a, a weird stream that you were on. It was just kind of like just applied online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said like, oh, you know, I've seen your name in some of these Watsy books. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to reach out is I figured like, 
you probably know fifth edition pretty well. And I was like, uh, I do know fifth edition D&D pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, other than those few little things you did in Waterdeep Dragon Eyes that kind of still have gripes with. But Listen, anyway, anything you don't like in Waterdeep Dragon Heist, Joey Hake did. I, I don't know okay. what to tell you other than anything you didn't like that was him or Chris Perkins or Adam Lee. I wrote, ev- what's your favorite part of that book? All the uh, all the good stuff. I like, all the, uh, well, I, like I wrote rooftop, that. That was love me. Love the rooftop scenes, love the rooftop chases, those kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually right. did write the rooftop chase. Okay, well, there you go then. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're trying to trap me and say, ha I secretly hated them, but I did actually no, work no, on no. those. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, okay, it kind of makes sense. If I had a game design company, I'd hire you too. So, oh, thank right. you. There thank you. you. Okay, so, all right. So, this this book, Kingdoms and Warfare. All right, let's start. Let's start diving in. Oh, well, hold on. No, I want to go back to something else. Acadia. Or Arca- Arcadia. All right. Will we ever oh, yeah. get a print? Will we ever get a print run on that? Great question. Um, we are probably going to do uh, like a best of Arcadia once a year. Once we get 12 issues out, it's kind of uh, ask people, vote on like what were your favorites, um, reprint those articles in a book, uh, update them all, right? Because now we have feedback and, and stuff like that. Update them, probably add in some new content and then sell that. Uh, okay as like a collection um so that's kind of the idea for what we want to do as far as print goes um right now especially right now because there's a shipping apocalypse and there's a paper shortage and all this other stuff is happening because of the pandemic and because a boat got stuck in the suez canal um and uh and so right now it would be like really expensive to print a monthly magazine and get it out to everybody. And we probably wouldn't get it, be able to get it out on a monthly basis. So um, there's no plans at the moment or, you know, sort of for the future to put it out on a monthly basis. You guys, in print. You guys just James, you guys just need to get bigger, like get bigger. I want my, <laughs> I would love like, cause we get, I get a few industry magazines for the, for my actual job. And um, we get a few like home, like renovation stuff, that kind of those kind of magazines. But I want like a, I want a really good like RPG monthly magazine. That would be sweet. Like arrive at my door each month. Anyway, that's I would me. love to, I would love to, <laughs> deliver that and and you know what I, this is my vow if we are going to the same convention i yeah. will find a way to print just for tom this is oh, only man. this is only a tom offer i want the listeners to know um Sweet. i will print you issues of arcadia and and hand them to you oh, so all right let, james sounds yeah. like i'm coming to pax on plug now <laughs> oh all right I'm, I'm on it i'm on it that's so funny no okay so kingdoms and warfare mm-hmm. all right so this book is very pretty all right <laughs> I love it because it's got a glossary. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. But what's the elevator pitch then for Kingdoms and Warfare? So Kingdoms and Warfare is a book for fifth edition that adds two systems, one for managing your own organization and uh, having intrigue with enemy organizations and another one for fighting large scale warfare battles. Um, so that's the the big pitch. There's also new monsters, and magic items and a big adventure at the back that teaches you how to do it all. Very cool. So I want to ask you then. So obviously, so it sounds like you came in to this project, Kingdoms and Warfare. Matt had the idea. But since you started working on the 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 project as a freelancer and as the lead designer here for it, uh, or not the one of the designers on it. So mm-hmm. the what how did this project originate? Did has Matt like shared like what was the inspiration for Kingdoms and Warfare? That's a great question. So Matt has had the idea for Kingdoms and Warfare since Strongholds and Followers, right? In fact, you can find in the Strongholds and Followers book, which is the first book MCDM put out uh, years ago, you can find references to like this is stuff that will be in strongholds and or kingdoms and warfare in strongholds and followers um so he knew that was the second book he was going to make um and uh, and one thing that people should know is that matt is really the lead designer on kingdoms and warfare so i'm the lead designer kind of from everything after that uh at this point but the design in the book had already started matt is the lead designer for it uh and uh, and and a lot of credit to him because this is a big book that uh, that took a, a lot of work to put together so um that's kind of the idea is that uh, i'm sorry i feel like i've lost my train of thought because i'm trying to remember what your question was Tom. No, no, like just how the idea originated like where oh this book yeah come from? 
So I think the idea came from Matt had worked on in third edition. Do you remember third edition Dungeons and Dragons? I can't, I'm a I'm a fifth edition baby. All right. Yeah. He so so third edition he had worked on a third party book. Um, Matt w- did a lot of role playing game writing uh, early in his career. Had worked on a third party book that was all about war and warfare. Um, and so uh, that was where that came from. And I think the idea for kingdoms and like running your own organization right which is really the kingdoms half of the book um came from the fact that matt has a lot of games where that's what the the sort of the focus is right his game the chain is all about this the leaders in this mercenary band called the chain of acheron um and how they deal with these issues that come up against their organization. Um, and so Matt likes that kind of play, large scale battles, and he's always integrated that stuff into his home games. And so that's why I wanted to bring it. Same thing with strongholds and followers. He's always integrated that stuff into his games. And he always, and that's why he was like, well, I sort of know how this works already. So I want to bring it to the front. Sweet. So thinking about this, so basically you have two brand new systems that are now, you can bolt on to fifth edition. All right. So, I started reading this book, all right, and I started <laughs> noticing there is a lot in here, and there's a there's a good amount of rules. This is not just a lot of there's a lot of flavor and inspiration in here, but there are some really well defined rule structures here. So, as I look behind you and see a box set of Gamma World and everything, I need to ask you <laughs> how crunchy is this book? And from a design perspective, is that are you a kind of a crunchy person? Yeah, so I love all role-playing games, right? Um, I am a, a big fan of, uh, I'll play anything from Lasers and Feelings and Honey Heist, you know, to uh, Pathfinder 2 and Exalted, right? Um, and and anything even crunchier than Shadow Run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and I, I love them all. So as a player, uh, I want to make that clear that I don't have like a preference when as a designer, I prefer to work on usually something a little crunchier. Um, and if I'm building a game from the ground up, it's usually a little crunchier. Um, and so this system is meant to go hand in hand with fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I think Dungeons and Dragons it can be a crunchier game. Um, and one reason this book, this is a 320 page book. Uh, one reason it's so big and dense is we wanted to give you options within, right? So like the rules for running an organization are there. A lot of them are pretty intuitive because they work the way you would expect. You roll a D20, you add a modifier, you compare it to a target number. If you beat or meet that target number, you do the thing you want it to do, right? Like that's sort of the basic core rule of D&D. We haven't really changed that. And then there are pages and pages and pages of like, if you want to run a thieves guild, here's how they work. If you want to run a mercenary band, here's how that works. Uh, Here's how a hag coven enemy realm works, right? Here's how a a realm run by a bunch of dragons works. Um, And so a lot of the the dense rules are that kind of thing. Um, And I like that. I like to be able to say like, okay, we've got the core. Now let's iterate all of these other fun ideas. Um, And I also like working with other people on that, right? Because I will probably only generate so many ideas, but as soon as I bring in somebody else, they're going to come up with something that still fits within that system that I never would have thought of. And it's going to make my brain explode and fire out of my ears because it's like, yes, that's brilliant. And that's so perfect for hags or fay or uh, thieves guilds or whatever it may be. So it's a lot of fun. There is so yeah, now that you say that, there's no way one person could ever do this. I was just going through the sheer number of units in the warfare section. It's just <laughs> like, there are so many options. So what was it like then, kind of diverging a little bit. So what was the, who was the team behind this book? Who helped you create this book then? Oh, oh yeah, we had a, so we had a ton of great designers and great editors on this book. Uh, it was not just Matt and I, um, in fa- or Matt and me, I should say. Uh, it was also... Uh, so Teos Abadia uh, wrote that adventure that I was talking about that's in the back of the book. It's actually a sequel to the Strongholds and Followers adventure that's that cool. James Hake wrote. Um, so if you, you can play that one and then you can play this one. Um, and Laura Hirschbrunner uh, edited that adventure and, and brought it all together um, in a really, really great way. Um, so uh, that was the team on the adventure. And then uh, as far as designers for the rest of the book go, uh, we had Gabe James, who uh, people probably know 
know, um, Mackenzie DeArmas, who works for Wizards of the Coast yeah. now, um, Justice Armand, uh, Sam Mannell uh, worked on the book, uh, and Celeste Conowich. Um, so that was the design team. And then also Sadie Lowry came in as an editor. Uh, very good. And Scott Fitzgerald Gray came in as an editor. Uh, and we had a whole team of uh, sensitivity readers who looked at it, who are basically editors in their own right. Um, and then we also had this amazing team of playtesters uh, who came together um, and and really hammered hard on this thing. Uh, and so, you know, like I consider all of those people together kind of the design team uh, on this thing and and putting it together. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just words. <laughs> yeah. That, what's cool about that also is a lot of those names you said, they're not they're not brand new, but they're, I mean, within the last three or four years, a lot of those designers are pretty fresh faces. I mean, a lot of them we know on Twitter. I mean, and obviously, I mean, we, we know, I know Justice. And so it's like, there's, that's a lot of cool new folks there doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that was the thing is we, we wanted to work with a lot of different people um, to get kind of different perspectives because the, 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 Many of the realms, uh, particularly the ones that are controlled by like NPCs, are themed around like an ancestry or, or what we would call a race in D and D, right? So there's an orc realm and there's a hag realm and there's a elf realm and a dwarf realm and all those kinds of things. And so we wanted to be able to say like, you know, Matt grew up in the '80s playing D and D, right? And he was like, let's bring in some other perspectives here. Let's bring in some fresh perspectives, people who like are going to put a new spin on what. The these different realms can be and not just the ancestries different spins on like what does it mean to make a demon how can we make a cool new demon let's bring some new ideas in there what does it mean to make you know a uh, 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 bardic college as a realm what does that look like and, and put that together so it was really fun to be able to jam with all of these people who were truly brilliant that does sounds pretty cool so let's talk about all right so the first section is to me, this book is broken down like you got two big chunks. You got the domains and intrigue, and then you got your warfare. All right. So mm -hmm. what is the what is an intrigue? Oh, great question. So intrigue, right, is basically uh, like combat between organizations or realms or, or what we call domains in the book. Um, so your domain um, has there are it exists in a world with other domains. You might run a thieves guild and there might be an enemy thieves guild. There might be uh, like a wizard tower. There might be a church over here to a god. Um and then there might be like a necromancer who you're trying to stop that necromancer. And then, hey, that thieves guild that you're rivaled with is going to go join the necromancer unless you stop them. And, oh, by the way, these NPCs over here, uh, these organizations may be willing to lend you aid. Um, and so intrigue is the spying, the backstabbing, the sabotaging you do of each other's organizations um, before like a head on direct conflict, right? Where your organization fights their organization. That would be warfare. Um, but everything that leads up to that is intrigue. Okay. So this was, so I actually, I really liked the, so this is me full honesty. All right. So good. The, good. I will, ne I will probably never use the warfare rules just because it's not a, it's not something that I don't really do a whole lot of combat in my games anyway. So I'm not one who's like looking for more ways to do combat. <sighs> But sure. the domain and intrigue section, this is like, this appeals to me on so many different levels. Okay. But what I was really kind of confused about is how a how an intrigue works at the table because you're making roles, but is it like, I was trying to visualize it. Is this, because I'm usually thinking of like, my, our characters are in a scene, we're interacting with other NPCs. How like, how does a characters in one domain one realm they're over in one part of the land and these other characters are over in this other part of the land how are they contesting each other what does that look like at the table so th the way that looks at the table is there's there's a couple things going on at play the first is we don't want to stop we don't want our game to stop you from playing the core game of D, &D right mm -hmm. the the system assumes you're still adventurers you're still going out and uh you know um doing whatever it is you normally do if, if it's delving into dungeons or uh attending masquerades or fighting vampires whatever that is you're still doing it um but because you have this organization now you have people who can help you uh, work against or with these other 
organizations. And so the way it looks at the table is like the GM determines when a domain turn happens and they could say like, Hey, you know, once a week, just so you know, like once a week in game time, this is going to happen. Or whenever we finish a a quest, we're going to take a domain turn or at the end of every session, we're going to take a domain turn. It's however the GM wants to do it. And they can change the pace of that to fit the story. Um, And the way a, a domain turn works is like, okay, we all get together and we talk about what we want our organization to do. We have a meeting, right? And we're the officers in this organization. Maybe you're the, you know, master at arms and I'm the the court mage and we have a conversation about like okay the necromancer is over there and we know the necromancer is raising an uh you know a bunch of undead because they want to attack the countryside or we know that the thieves guild is planning to assassinate someone or they're hiding treasure that we would like to heist whatever it may be we have this whole organization of people what are we going to ask them to do and so you say to each other like okay Uh, you know, we come up with a plan. We'd like them to do this. The GM says, all right, so the rules say this works this way, right? Like this is the kind of skill check your domain is going to make. And we roll it. And what happens is that represents you then giving those orders to your agents, right? The people who are in your organization and them going and carrying them out. And if you fail the skill roll, they, they didn't really do a good job carrying out your orders. Um, they failed to do the thing you wanted to do. And if they succeed, they go and do the thing you want them to do. And so we assume that every organization has spies and diplomats and all of the things you would expect in an intrigue like this to have, right? And so essentially a domain turn is you as officers in this organization deciding what the people who work for you are going to do. Okay, that makes sense now. So basically, maybe like like you're saying, maybe like once a session, we're all sitting down. Instead of us as the players going out and spying on the necromancer and trying to find out where he's storing his army, we'll send out our spies and we will roll our dice. And then if we succeed, the spies find the army. If they don't, something else happens, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And the same way in D&D, skill checks uh, are a little flexible, right? Like you might say, I'm going to climb this wall. Um, and the way you describe your climbing might determine whether you it's a strength athletics or dexterity acrobatics check, right? Um, it's similar. So you might say to the GM, we're going to send our spies out to find where the necromancer is raising their army. And the, the GM will say, all right, well, it sounds like you're making an espionage check, which is one of your domain skills, and you need to roll it and beat the necromancer realm's communications score, which is one of their defenses, right? Um, and so you roll that, and maybe you get that information then if you succeed. Or the GM may say, eh, that's actually pretty easy, so it's actually going to be easier than that, or they might give you advantage, or that kind of thing. All of that is possible um, and encouraged uh, to be used. So you can use it that way, and then you also have defense levels that you can raise and lower through Intrigue by making those skill checks. You can say, like, we want to go poison their water, um, and so uh, the GM determines what kind of check that's going to be and then says, like, yeah, I think that's going to lower their resources. Um, and so your resources are lowered. And then when you hit, like, negative three, maybe something really bad happens. Um, so right now the systems, uh, the intrigue system is tied into the warfare system, but you can use it without that. Um, you would just probably... Uh, say like okay when a realm hits negative three in a you know in one of these levels they can't recover and when they're negative three in all their levels you've defeated the realm right through intrigue rather than through warfare i definitely got the vibe that i could use it without the warfare system which was 100 really appreciated yeah with that yeah the so we can't have a domain then without the organizations all right and this is i really like this because i'm a sucker for anything that when you have different types of something, but they all follow the same format, it just, so basically, (laughs) I just, I don't know what it is about it. It's just like, like, I like formats and good good. layouts. (laughs) And this is, it's great. Everybody has, because it's different, but also the same. So it's really easy to to understand and read. So Mm -hmm. what are the, what are the organizations then? What, what, what's an organization? So an organization is, uh, it's a domain that is run by players, right? So an organization could be a thieves guild, a church, um, a, uh, a secret cult, 
if you want it to be. Okay. Um, anything you would expect in fantasy, uh, there's probably something that covers it. We have theater troops. We even have adventuring party, right? <laughs> like you're an adventuring guild um, is your thing. So that way, if you wanted to use these rules right now, you could, right? You could say like, uh, we don't want to be a mage circle, which is one of the organizations, and we don't want to be a mercenary band. Like that's not going to fit the story, but we do want to start an adventurer's guild. Well, here you go. You can drop it right into your game right now and uh, and do that. In fact, one of the each organization has like a subtype, basically, kind of like your cl- uh, organizations are classes for your entire party is another way to think of it um and so each class has a subclass then and so uh, or has several subclass options so like within the adventurers uh adventuring party one of the subclasses is the disorganized myth misfits um okay. so like you know that's pretty much every party i've ever played yeah, yeah i was with. about to say <laughs> Just, just start using that right now, folks. So yeah, I, yeah, we joked that like we only need to put out this one and no others because this is the truth. Um. There are so there are a lot of cool ones. All right, it was so many. We're actually because we're running Ghost of Salt Marsh right now, and oh, nice. we just got to a point in our campaign where basically the players are now in charge of Salt Marsh. Okay, so we we're trying to figure out like what that yes. means, and this happened, and then Kingdoms and Warfare came out, so I started reading about this. And I were th- I'm, I'm trying to work out right now how we can work in like a mercantile guild into it. I think. It's, oh yeah. I, I think I think I think it's I think we may be doing it soon. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the options, right? Is um, that you can can be a mercantile guild, and uh, there's a lot of good uh, things that you can do with that. Pirate, right? Piracy yeah. is sort of one of those. So For yeah, sure. yeah. They're, my players are kind of like pirates. So anyway, um, there so you go. What's your what's perfect your favorite for salt marsh? I know, right? What's your favorite? organization like do you have one uh so i do have one and it's within the adventuring party there's uh uh, i am a sucker for tables um like i love me some wild magic i love me the wand of wonder and i know that is a divisive thing to say and people are going to call for my head now that i am uh copping to this but yeah so my one of my favorite uh things is the explorer society um so they're uh they're one of the sub uh classes of the uh or the specialization is what we call them uh within the adventuring party and it's because they have (laughs) uh when you join an organization you gain access to these powers which are special things your characters can do um and one of those powers uh allows you to uh, roll randomly on a table uh, and get a random effect um and i'm i'm a sucker for that and it's funny because some of the testers as i said this is a divisive thing some of the testers were like we don't like this you should not have this in here people hate this and i was like people do not hate this at least one person loves it and that person is me and this is staying um and so uh yeah and and i did not design this table um so i know of at least two people who love it okay well no because i was going to ask you then what your favorite power is and it sounds like this this power is also your favorite power then. Yeah, the power is called what does this button do? Um, and it's great. <laughs> so, cool. so that was one of the things that I, the powers are really cool because it definitely, it makes every organization feel really unique. And there's so many different ones that I like want to use. So uh, what was it like? Uh, what was it like playtesting some of these <laughs> powers? Because on one hand, they feel really powerful. All right. Mm-hmm. But they also are definitely limited based on how you guys yeah. allowed them to be used. So what was it like designing the powers and playtesting them then? So it was a lot of fun. Our, our playtesters really liked them and really tested these hard. Um, in fact, we had a, a playtester named Dig who really uh, went very hard on the powers and, uh, and, and trying them all out with groups and stuff like that. And what was cool about these is um, they are really powerful, but you can only use them when you're in combat with an enemy officer. So the, that enemy also has powers from their domain, right? And so that's sort of how we balanced it out was we said, well, as long as the powers are equivalent across the board, then it's okay for you to have them because the monster is also going to have them when you face off against them. 
Gotcha. So is there, so then I, I can't remember. Is, so is there a limit then how often you can use the powers? Yes. So you can only use them right in combat against those enemy officers and you can only use it uh, once per week basically. Um, so strongholds and followers established this thing called an extended rest, which is you taking a rest for a week in a safe place. Um, and so they recharge on an extended rest. So yeah, that's how it would work. I, I love that. So that was, so we're, so in my home game, we're playing forbidden lands right now. And one of the things I love mm-hmm. about that game is it's, you have to, you have to rely so much on time. Time is so important. You you have to track your calendar. You got to know your days, what season you're in. So <laughs> I never really got that from the time stuff in the core books of D&D. It was there. You sure. could use it if you wanted to, but it didn't feel like important. But now having these extended rests and linking them to a specific power, it it definitely, I feel like it makes time way more important uh yeah yeah exactly exactly and that's that was one of the things we wanted to do um because uh i think it's matt's uh style and certainly my style to do like let you do really wild gonzo stuff right um i and you and i talked about this when we played open legend right i love being able to like be legendary and do cool stuff um and so i that's a big thing and but it needs to be balanced within this game that already exists uh and so we need to come up with a way for it to be like okay but you don't do this all the time and in fact if you want to do it again, not only do you need to wait a week, you need to wait a week and do nothing during that week other than like rest up and train. So, yeah. That, yeah, no, I love it. So, uh, also, you're all the the guild sheets or the the organization sheets are they look really nice. You're all's art and stuff in this game is yeah. amazing. <laughs> uh yeah i have to shout out so uh jason Hasenauer is our art director and he actually made all of these organization sheets um and then nick despain and uh grace chung are our staff artists um and nick is also our art outsource manager he hires and works with other artists um the Everybody has all three of them have a lot of art in here, as well as a bunch of artists that we hired freelance. Um, and then Gordon McAlpin put it all together. Um, the the layout king of the RPG world right now, um, because his layout is uh, really, really beautiful. Good. Um, so so yeah. I want to add. So here's here's my. All right, so I've requested a periodical magazine in print. So here's my next request for MCDM. Okay, I want I want you all to release class specific character sheets with this level of art and layout okay oh that's uh, you know what that has not come up in conversation at least that i know of um you guys have that one for dope all right that would be dope it would be thank you you, tom you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) i just want to i just want them okay (laughs) i just need somebody to make them for me okay sure sure okay so let's hop it so warfare now all right, give us an overview. What is what is warfare? So warfare is um, large scale battles um, played on like a, a battlefield sort of grid style thing. Uh, it's basically a miniatures war game, um, except that you're moving around cards uh, instead of miniatures because one card represents a whole unit of creatures um and those units battle each other uh and uh, it's a lot of fun you've got different kinds of units you've got infantry cavalry artillery and aerial units and they can all uh, mix it up and and get in the battles with each other and uh it has been a blast people have been playing it uh, those play testers we talked about earlier they really banged on warhair hard and have been like having tournaments and battling people it works great uh, as like a player v player thing if you want to pull it out of the book you can do that and just play it um but it really does work great with fifth edition because there are ways that like your character can influence the units they command so your character um the idea is your character is commanding these units uh you yourself are probably having a battle while like the rest of the battle rages around you a a more personal combat while that goes on so so now that you say that, that actually kind of changes things for me. I never even thought about 
like pulling these out and using them outside of the context of my game because i was reading through these i mean I, there's like countdown dies in here it's definitely i'm getting some warhammer vibes except you're not <laughs> playing on a large map you've got a grid map i was getting real some some board gamey kind of feel yeah, to it yeah. um so yeah i would definitely like this just sounds cool to do it independently like outside of our regular campaign and use this for like a board game night or something yeah yeah i think for real this is a a really great um thing that you can do and it's even like if you want to have a battle uh, in your game and determine like who won right maybe the players aren't involved but they'll be impacted by whoever wins this thing you could say like well let's play this battle out and see who wins right um there's a, a lot of different ways you can use this and and have some fun and i do think um the adventure at the back of the book really lays out how you can bring the intrigue system and the warfare system together to tell a compelling adventure that also involves like running into a cave and fighting a dragon and negotiating with a, a fey court and all the stuff you would expect to find in a normal D&D adventure. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's super, that's super cool. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm now I'm just thinking about this. Okay. So <laughs> I need to stop. All right. So, all right. Question. What is the most, is this the most tactical product you've ever worked on? Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, this is probably the most tactical thing that I have worked on. Uh, so, uh, you know, burn bright, uh, which I think I came on here to talk to you about earlier. Um, that has some tactical elements to it, but this is far and away. Like this is on a grid, baby. You know, you're thinking about your units, that kind of thing. But at the same time, the combats don't take any longer than D and D combat, um, does to, to resolve. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun uh, and it can fit into your D&D game and you can, you know, have warfare and then have normal adventuring too, all in the course of a night. Uh, so I want to say, I want you to now, all right, new, another request. Okay. So you've got your big Tarrasque fight game that you've run at conventions and stuff. I right, want you to right. somehow integrate these rules into that where you've got multiple armies now fighting a Tarrasque. Okay. That'd Ooh, be sweet. I love that. I love that. Right. Yes, I would like to do that a lot. All so, right. James, make that for me too. All right. <laughs> that's what I, so, it's so yeah, whenever I have people on here, all I do is give them requests for stuff. That's that's why I bring people on. Hey, listen. And then people will be like, "Why is uh, why is the RPG world so awesome now?" And they'll know why. It's just because like, of Tom. He's so needy. He just wants things. <laughs> secret <laughs> secret puppet master I'm pulling a, the strings. I'm a consumer. What can I say? All right. So, all right. So, what was your favorite thing about um I know there's a lot of designers. So, did you re- how much influence in design work were you able to personally do on this warfare section then? Uh, that's a great question. So the warfare section really, um, was Matt's baby. Uh, and when I came on, he was like, I want to give you intrigues and domains. I'm going to give you the monsters, the magic items and the adventure. Like we all, we collaborated on all of that together, but he was like, you're going to oversee sort of the details and the nitty gritty, but I will really take warfare across the finish line. Um, so I did not have much to do with warfare itself at all, other than understanding how it fit into everything else into the book. Um, and you know reading over it and offering matt my opinion on stuff when uh when he asked for it but mostly and i played it you know like i play tested it and loved it um so uh so i have a pretty good understanding of warfare but as far as the actual design of warfare goes i have not had much influence at all gotcha one of the things so i wanted to ask you about units then all right yes so this is another I, I like this because I like the you guys have the printouts or of the different units in the back where they're just mm-hmm. all kind of listed right there. That appeals to me from like a collectible card gaming kind of aspect of myself. All right, but so there's tons of different tons of different units. All right, what is a unit? Mm-hmm. And can you then explain like the difference between a tier one unit and then all the way up to the level five to give us a good range? Sure. Yeah. So tier one units. Uh, so, so unit itself is a unit of troops, right? When you think about a unit in the army, uh, or the Navy or the Marines or, or whatever, right? It is a unit of soldiers. Um, and we never define how many that is because it could change, right? Like a unit of ogres, uh, is different than a unit of zombies, which is different than a unit of uh, human infantry. Um, and so, we have these different units that are divided in those ways, sort of by monstrous type, right? So you might have a unit of lizard folk and you might have a unit of, um, 
uh, like a purple worm unit that's just one giant purple worm creature uh, crawling its way around. Um, and you might have a unit of ogres that is more than one ogre, but not as many as there would be in that lizard folk unit, right? Um, and then those creatures uh, you use to build your army. And tier one are your least powerful units. Um, so your units, uh, and, and often called basic units, right? It's people like, uh, they have names like human infantry or uh, zombie infantry, that kind of thing. Uh, and then tier two are a little more powerful. Tier three are more powerful than that. And all the way up to tier five. Tier five has some very powerful units in it, um, like uh, the Frog of War um, is a very powerful unit, uh, which is just a giant frog you summon uh, that uh, gives us no no end of delight. It moves across the battlefield, devouring entire units. That's I, I was I, when you first said Frog of War. At first, mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, okay, well, a, a giant frog." I mean, I guess that's something. And then I just kind of started thinking about like frogs can jump really far. Like a giant right. frog? Like, yeah. That could... Uh, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, unit sized, right? So like, we've got giant frogs and then you've got giant frogs. Oh, so <laughs> That'd yeah. be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so obviously we kind of talked about play testing all, all these various rules then, but I wanted to ask you then, do you guys have any, are there any examples? Have there been any streams yet of these rules that have been shown? Because I definitely would like to see them played out yeah definitely so the testers uh who were organizing battles uh streamed a bunch um and matt actually on his twitch stream uh streamed some warfare the other night with a new player who he taught how to play while they were playing it and that is a great stream to watch because matt explains what's going on um that's at twitch.tv slash mcdm um and uh and there's a great place to find it and we are also trying to organize a warfare tournament a warnament if you (laughs) will Um, and so hopefully there will be even more instances of play and, and what it should look like. Um, so yeah, Have you all talked about potentially having MCDM, like have an official presence at like conventions at all and do this kind of stuff. Uh, we have, I don't know. I, I don't know what the plan is, honestly, with that. That's, uh, kind of up to, uh, uh other folks, uh, if that's going to happen or not, if we're going to have like a big official presence at cons or not right now, we're a very small team. Yeah. Um, we're, I think we're seven people full-time, eight people, eight people full-time. Um, but, uh, and, and so, you know, how many people would need to go to a convention to man a booth? Probably at least three or four. That's half the company right there. <laughs> what does the company do then? <laughs> so, so that would yeah, be sweet yeah. though, to have like the big Gen Con the the war tournament that'd be awesome oh i would love that i would love to do a war at gen con tournament be great (laughs) yeah that's so many cool ideas all right so all right there's a this is not there is so much more in this book you guys have monsters right Mm -hmm. i was not expecting there to be monsters i was just like we get domains we get intrigue we get some warfare rules but then you all are dropping like super high level cr monsters on us (laughs) i love that stuff so, oh, good. Yeah. So that, um, uh, what was like, tell, tell us a little bit about what's some of the monsters in this book. Yeah. So the monsters in this book, one of the most popular videos Matt has put out is uh, called action oriented monsters. It's where Matt sort of, sort of shares like how you can take a regular creature and turn it into a boss monster. Right. Okay. And this follows that philosophy we have action oriented monsters in the book they have villain actions which are kind of like legendary actions but instead of like three things that let you increase your damage you do one big thing each round um that kind of escalates and it might be summon an ally it might be that kind of thing they're they're a little complex to run but that's because the idea is they're running more or less alone you might have a few simple to run henchmen creatures there or whatever but this is mainly like this is a boss monster that is meant to take on five or six characters at the same time um and so that's uh, that's what these are they're like and they're big they're evocative they have uh, cool stories associated with them to help you like find where they fit into your game and you know who knows someday you might see some of these monsters at the end of an mcdm adventure um as something that people could fight if that's the kind of thing we make all right level all right a cr 29 mm-hmm. gemstone dragon 
Oh yeah, what? that that is actually a plane. So she is a plane, um, and like she can swallow you and bring you inside her, which is a, its own plane of existence, right? And she like breathes time, basically, like all of this wild stuff. So that's a Justice Armand creation. Matt oh. came up with the lore, and Justice went ham with it, and really just uh, did a beautiful, beautiful job with that. Yeah, our Onyx Dragon. Oh, the art is also it's is very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Also, just CR twenty nine monsters. I'm at this point now in my campaign, our Salt Marsh campaign, where we're starting to get up towards level twenty, and the goal is to get to level twenty with it. Which no, nobody intended a Salt Marsh game to get up there. We're just no, we're just no. riding on pirate ships. And pl- <laughs> so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 keeping my eye on lookout for like some real high level stuff to throw at them. So. Oh, good. Well, you could always have a, an onyx dragon emerge from the ocean and uh, mess with them. Swallow them up, so. send them to the plane of stomach. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, so, so much stuff. You've, we've got an adventure. We kind of briefly touched on it, but I have to ask you then, there's so much stuff in this book. Was there one thing in here? I, I love asking people to, like, say, like, definitive, give me definitive answers, all right? Um, what's your What's your favorite thing in this book? So I am really, really proud of the adventure in the back of this book, which is funny because like it's the thing that people have not gotten to yet because, uh, you know, they they've they start at the beginning of the book and this is all the way at the end. Um, also, when they get to the adventure, they're like, well, maybe I won't read this because what if I end up as a player in it? I don't want to, you know, yeah. know all the secrets or whatever it is. Um, but I am so proud. I think this adventure is really solid and it's sort of the capstone because it brings all of the other systems that everybody works super hard on together in what I think is a really great way. Um, and I had a lot to do with uh, coordinating the development of that and developing it with Teos and Lara and the, and the play testers and stuff. So um, for me, it's definitely the adventure. Plus like the adventure has some of my favorite art uh, in it. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think the maps are awesome. And I think the art that we're getting is divine. I love Um, that you all made the decision to like the, when you get to the adventure, like the first page, it's almost like it's its own like cover. It's almost like it has cover mm-hmm. art like in the book. And it was like you're flipping through and it's like this this full page spread right there. I was like, this is cool, a little different. Like it's so good too. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Jason is big on uh, our, our art director is big on like, you know, when we're between sections, we should really have like full page art that lets people know you're in this thing. But then also like then also we should just drop some full page art in there because we've got it made and it's cool to have. Right. Like there's this picture of uh, sort of an alienish temple uh, in uh, in the adventure that is this just a giant full page, beautiful piece of art. There's, um, there's so yeah. much great art. Like yeah, the, really. The, the Necromancer Castle thing. I'm getting some real strong um, Castlevania vibes from that. Yes, yes, right? That is awesome. It is so incredible. So, yeah. That's, that's super cool. I'm sure it must have been just so, so awesome working on something like this. It's really cool to see products of this scope starting to come from other companies. I mean, we all love Watsu, but it's just cool to see, like, other stuff out there. So, yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, like there's there's a lot of people, a lot of great companies doing uh, things like this uh, now, now that are able to, you know, um, get on and, and do this. And it's because of really great people taking a chance on companies. Right. And saying like, yeah, I, I think I will use a third party thing or I'd like to have this on my shelf or I want to read it. Um, and so that is huge because we couldn't do it without the people buying the product. Right. Yeah, so I definitely great. think also it's kind of interesting you say that because there's, I feel like for me personally, when I first got into fifth edition, there is no way I would ever get a third party product. It just it just kind of I'm like, I'm going to get the the regular stuff. But now, as I've seen, like different stuff come out, I feel more comfortable getting something from a yeah. third party company so that's super cool yeah exactly exactly so um you know and i and i certainly understand people being like but watsy has the resources to do a lot of play testing and that kind of thing and that totally makes sense but uh but luckily we do too yeah. you know we actually um we have a, a paid 
lead tester, um, uh, who is one of our, uh, contractors. So, you know, we're, we're, we're serious about testing and we have a person on our team who's a full-time in production and they're in charge of our QA, right? All of our testing. So testing is super duper important to us at MCDM. Uh, and it's one reason why we believe in these products and, and stand behind them. If you're going to make a crunchy book, uh, <laughs> you got to know it works, you know? <laughs> well, I know. I'm glad you say that testing is important because there are, there's a lot of rules here, but it all, it, it definitely, it just feels, it feels complete. The, the amount that I've been able to read, it's just, if something, if it feels good. Yeah, yeah. In fact, people who have finished the book have been saying like, well, why aren't there more units in it? Why aren't there? Why isn't there this or why isn't there that? And that is honestly the greatest compliment we can get because it's like knowing you want more (laughs) means that we did something right. Um, So, uh, yeah, yeah. So hopefully you'll you'll see more stuff like this uh, coming from MCDM in the future. Sweet. Okay. so as we wrap up, can you tell us then? What's the, obviously Matt talks on the Twitch stuff. Is there anything you can tell us about what's next for you at MCDM? Yeah. So, uh, we have already said this, uh, we're making a monster book, um, is our next thing, but it's going to be, uh, because we're at MCDM and, and, you know, we're not, we're not just going to put out a, a monster book to add monsters to your game. Um, we are putting out a book that is meant to replace your monster manual. Um, so it's going to have like our version of the goblin, our version of giants, our version of classic creatures, um, that you can put in there. And it's also going to have rules for minions, um, which are like one hit and die, uh, hench creatures. So you can have like a fun battle with a horde of enemies. Um, and it's also going to have our minion, our rules for companion creatures, um, which are going to be creatures that like, uh, you can have as a pet. Um, so, uh, so that, and then our next class coming out is the Beastmaster class. Um, and the Beastmaster class is going to use those companion rules. Uh, and you know, it's all about like you and your animal pet, uh, going around doing cool stuff together. Um, so so, yeah, that's so cool. Uh, Whenever you say Beastmaster, I I just think about, I just think about shane from total party thrill like the the amount that he complained about the ranger <laughs> Beastmaster. so hopefully this this will do it yes. for him it, you might say that this class is inspired by the people like shane and and uh <laughs> his comments um so uh so shane i hope we do you proud although we'll find out i'm sure if shane doesn't like it uh he'll let me know um He'll write good a friend. real long-winded article about it <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, uh, um, so that's the plan is to go in there and uh, and do that and and make those things. Those are the next things you should see from us. Uh, Long term, I'm hoping we make our own RPG. I don't know when that'll happen, uh, but that's something we'd love to do too. That would be that'd be so cool. I'm hoping for another. Yeah. I'm hoping for another science. I know you just you did burn bright, but I want another science fiction game, James. <laughs> Final request. Well, listen, it- <laughs> Anybody who knows Matt Colville uh, is going to know that that man loves some science fiction, loves him some Dune uh, and some other stuff. So uh, so you might see some. He can yeah, even yeah. do a weird soundtrack for it with all the stuff he does. He could. Yeah, that's right. With all of his synth synth training. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. All right. So much cool stuff coming from you all. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, James, where can people find you on the interwebs if they want to interact uh, with you? Yeah, best place to find me is on Twitter, twitter.com slash James Intracasso, uh, I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Okay, sweet. And where can people go to get Kingdoms and Warfare? Uh, so if you go to MCDM, uh, the MCDM shop, um, which I think if you go to MCDMproductions.com, there's a link to the shop there. Um, but or if you search for MCDM store uh, on your search engine of choice, uh, DuckDuckGo, uh, <laughs> it will uh, it will show up. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how it'll find it. That's super cool. All right. Yeah, for sure. James, once again, thank you so much for it was good catching up. So. Yeah, it really was, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, and you know, I mean it. You are doing good work in this place. And I am so happy to uh, have you as a, as a pal, oh. as an amigo, a friend. Appreciate it. That's no super problem. Cool. All right. So anyway, folks, we're going to wrap things up uh, like we always do. And you, you, you know the motto. Don't forget, folks, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. 
but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.